Um, our lesson today is from John chapter 21. And the question, obviously, from this passage is, do you love me? And what we're talking about here is restoration of Peter and the disappointment that took place. John 21, 1 to 17, and afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. So John's kind of writing it as a story to, to, to kind of, here's how, here's how it went down. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana, Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, that's uh, uh, John and James, and two other disciples were together. I'm not sure why he didn't name them. Maybe he, maybe he was ticked off at him when he was writing this. I don't know. Um, I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. Been there, done that before, haven't they? You know? Early in the morning, Jesus stood on shore, but the disciples didn't realize that it was Jesus. He called to them, friends, haven't you any fish? How many of you have ever been fishing? And how many of you have finished fishing and not caught anything, and you see somebody as you're leaving, they're coming. How many times do they ask you the question, hey, did you catch anything? How do you feel when you say, no? It's like, thanks. Man, they were biting like crazy. It was amazing. I hope you catch something. <laughs> of course you wouldn't say that, right? He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple who Jesus loved, he loves to use that phrase, doesn't he? said to Peter, it's the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about 100 yards. That's pretty far. But nevertheless, when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. I mean, talk about specifics. But even with so uh, many, the net was not torn. Another miracle. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When he had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, Take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? 
He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Let's pray this morning as we start. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, I pray that you bless your word. But God, may we just not be hearers of it, but doers of it. Help us to understand what you're trying to teach us today through this passage. And we'll be grateful to give you the praise. And I will be grateful for what you do in each of our lives, including my, my own. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever made a promise that you didn't keep? Think about that for a moment, you know. How did you feel when you remembered or learned that you let them down? What is that? You're disappointed in yourself, frustrated. It's like, man, why did I, what happened here? Now, there may be some times when you've done that, and there's a legitimate thing. Sometimes, you know, you know, your kids will tell you, you lied to me. And it's like, well, I, I, I've kind of overridden on this one. You know, this happened and that happened. It was not expected. I, I said I was going to take you this, but now I can't do it because something overrode that situation. And you're trying to figure out how to teach, you know, keeping your word while at the same time understanding life doesn't always turn itself easy. How do you think the person felt when you let them down? <laughs> you let down. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> That they can't trust you. <laughs> Probably angry. Hopeless. I think a lot of factors are involved in the value and the importance of your word. Okay? What does your word mean? What is it? What's the value of it? Peter disowns Jesus for the third time. In other words, I don't know the man. You remember from this passage from Luke 22, 59-62. Someone read that for me. About an hour later, however, certainly this fellow who was with him, was he the galley, he replied, Man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the roosters broke. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the words the Lord had spoken to him. For the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Imagine that moment. Peter in the Garden of Gethsemane sat there, fell asleep with Jesus at the Jesus trying to tell them what's going to happen at the Last Supper. And they're all, you know, hey, I will die with you, Jesus. I will die with you. I will never do this. Before this stays out, you're going to deny me three times. Ah, it's not going to happen. And you can read this story and see what happens here. And obviously we know the story. And he denies them three different times. But on the third time, he hears the rooster crow. And have you ever looked at somebody in the face when you've disappointed them? I can't even imagine what Peter felt like when he looked up and saw Jesus like the rooster's crowing. Oh, man. I told him I was never going to deny him. And I've denied him three times tonight. And he went out and wept bitterly. I mean, he was so overwhelmed with sorrow. And then Jesus dies on a cross. And he keeps reappearing to them. Now, this is the third time in this story. And I think it's important for us to understand that there are times in our lives... When restoration has to take place, when someone has been hurt, 
And I think the, I want you to understand the Lord's heart in all of this. Have you ever remembered a time in your life when you said to the Lord, I'll never do that again. I will never sin that sin again, Lord. I am going to do this right, and then you do it again. And, you, and some even begin to question their own salvation because of that. In fact, emotional doubt is the number one reason Christians fall away from the faith. Because they think to themselves, you know, if I sin like this, how can I be a Christian? And, and what's happening at that point? Does anybody understand when a person, when a follower of Christ begins to doubt their salvation, where is that doubt coming from? Satan. Satan. And Satan's talking to them and saying, hey, if you really were a Christian, you wouldn't have done that. But I want you to understand Jesus. I want you to understand our God. Every single one of us are sinners deserving of death. Every one of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. There's none of us who can't have been saying, hey, look at me. Before Christ, that I'm the role model. And yet my next series is going to be on follow me as I follow Christ. And it's not about you follow me. It's you answering that question to somebody else. How can we be a role model of Christ in our families, with our spouse, with our children, with those around us? That being a role model is essential in our culture today. And we are a role model whether we know it or not. And what, what Peter's experiencing here is something that I think you need, we all need to understand that the Lord wants to do in each of our lives. He wants to restore us. Jesus understands that none of us can reach his holiness, though that's the demand. And when we make those statements and disappoint our Lord, God wants to restore us. So the story as we see it here, Peter, Nathaniel, James, John, and two other disciples were together by the Sea of Galilee. Peter decides to go fishing, and the other disciples join him. Now, they've already seen Jesus resurrected twice. Why are they going back fishing? Why is Peter going, I'm going to go fishing? Think about this. Why is Peter going fishing? Yeah, Sandy. Well, I'm guessing, okay? Yeah. Um, but, but what I'm saying, I mean, Jesus had told them to, to go and wait until the Holy Spirit comes, right? Yeah. And so it was like, okay, well, until that happens, you know, let's just go fishing. I mean, we're not reading the body language into it, you know, but. Not sure. Really, you know? What was Peter's occupation before meeting Jesus? Fisherman. He was a fisherman. He did that for a living. Now, God, though, through Jesus, I mean, Jesus, as the Son of God and God the Son, he's communicating to him what's going to, you meet me in, in Galilee. He knew exactly what was going to take place. But Peter is going back to his old ways. He's doing back to what he feels comfortable with. He's going back to his occupation, his old job. Now, they weren't getting catching fish, just eat. You, you know, if they would have caught this 153 fish, they're not going to sit there and go, hey, we're going to eat this, right? What were they going to do with it? Sell it. Sell it. Sell it. Yeah. It's their business. He had a wife. Yeah. 
Peter had a wife. He's got a family. He wants to take care of them. So he's going back to doing what he does. And I think that's very important in the, in, in, as we go through the story that we understand that. They fished all night, but they caught nothing. When you try to live your life without Christ, the results are obvious. Jesus understood what was going on here. That's why he met Peter. And this was a, a, a divine appointment by God to invade Peter's life at this point. Because do you think it was coincidence that they didn't catch anything all night? I don't think so. I think this is part of his design and plan. And they go back to these, these disciples are all sitting together. Six of them are all fishing. And they catch nothing all night. There is no such thing as back to normal when your faith is in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Someone read that for me, for us. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. The struggle of the Christian life is will, and will constantly be this. That something happens... Maybe it's our sin. Maybe it's the sin of somebody else. Something occurs, and Satan uses it to get us back to doing what we did before we were saved. Or life without Christ. Just the normalcy of life. But when we do that, when we go, you know what? This Christian life is a lot harder than I anticipated. It'll be easier to go back to this you know, because I don't know, I, I, maybe I won't feel guilty anymore because I'm tired of feeling guilty, blah, 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 blah. And we go through this and we go, you know what, maybe I'll just go back and live the way I used to. It's easier. But when you're in Christ, a new creation has come. The old is gone. And again, that's the beauty of the picture of baptism. When the person goes under the water, it's a symbol of death. When they come up out of that water, it's a symbol of a brand new life. In Christ. And there's a huge difference in that. So in the morning, Jesus questions them, friends, haven't you any fish? <laughs> Boy, that's a little disturbing. Hey guys, catch anything? Probably not. Well, what's the significance of his question? Haven't you any fish? What's the significance of that? Pardon? Are you having any fruit in what you're doing? Anything else? Bob? Yeah. He told them that they were going to be fishers of men, but they're fishing fish again. He's giving this a beautiful word picture here, right? They're beginning to see, you know... The old way just doesn't work anymore. And they go, no. So Jesus asked them to cast their nets on the right side of the boat, and they oblige him, just like they did before. And they caught so many fish that they couldn't haul them in. How would you have felt if you were one of the disciples at that point? We fished all night. We know how to do this. And then this guy tells us to throw our net out again, and we do. And all of a sudden, we catch all these fish. How would you feel at that point? Humbled? Sort of like I was doing things in my flesh instead of trusting my Savior. Yeah. You feel like, you know, doing it with this way is just not right. And immediately, okay, John recognizes it's Jesus. 
Because immediately, I mean, they see this miracle happening before that. You know, they throw their net out, they begin to pull it in, and all of a sudden it's like, whoa, we got a lot of fish here. This is awesome. But they can't even pull it into the boat. They can't even dump the fish into the boat. There's so many of them. So literally, they're going to have to row to shore, pulling along this net of fish, and then when they get to shore, they're going to have to pull it up on shore together, all of them, all six of them, trying to pull these fish up. It's amazing what takes place. So John tells Peter that it's Jesus. He puts on his outer garment, jumps in, and swims about 100 yards to shore. Can you sense from this story Peter's desire to get things right with Jesus? I mean, hey, it's Jesus. All of a sudden, he just puts on his outer garment and jumps in the water. You know, if I was the other five disciples, like, thanks, buddy. Yeah, it's like, you just left us, you know? Now we got a, a five of us are now having to hold these fish in by ourselves. He doesn't care, though. He just wants to be with Jesus. Because he understands Jesus is here for a reason. So Jesus cooks some fish, and with bread, they ate breakfast together. This was the third time Jesus appeared to them since he was resurrected. Now, so they gathered around. He said, bring some of your fish over. He's already cooking some. He's already got hot coals. So they cook the fish. And I don't know about you. Now, this is just a side note. Um, man, several years ago, um, someone in our class, that he was a professional fisherman, took me down to Bugs Island, and we went fishing together down there. And he brought a, he brought a cooker on the boat. And after we started catching fish, he said, okay, you can keep fishing. I'm going to start cooking these fish. And he started cooking them right and if you've ever had, how many of you have ever had fresh fish right after you caught them? Oh, if you like fish, even if you don't like fish, you're going to like this. You know, it was just so good, so fresh. It was amazing. Such a great taste. And I can imagine, he said, okay, bring the fish over. They're used to this. And they cook these fish. They're fresh. It's wonderful. And he broke the bread with them, and they ate it. And they were satisfied together. It's, you imagine just sitting there after eating, and everything's cold. And in the silence of the moment, you've got a fire going. You're finished eating. The net isn't broken, so you don't have to mend your nets. You're just kind of done. It's great. The water's there. You hear it lapping up onto the shore. I've been to this place in Israel where this took place. At least they, there's actually a church there. Because um, Constantine's wife went to Israel and said, I want to know where did this take place? Where did this occur? And they put churches at all those locations. Is that exactly where it was? Who knows? But that was the interpretation with a couple hundred years after it took place. And it's amazing just to see what was going on there. Cheryl remembers that too. But Jesus then has a heart-to-heart -heart discussion with Peter. You know this story. But think about it in context. You've disappointed God. You've denied him. Now, understand, Jesus is not letting Peter off the hook here, so to speak. No pun intended addition. He's not letting him off the hook. And he looks at him and he says, Simon, son of John, do you love agape me more than these? Now, we don't know the context of these. Was he meaning the disciples? I don't think so. 
What do you think it is? Probably the fish. He went back to fishing, went back to his old lifestyle. Now, interesting. He calls him Simon. Why? Why did he call him Peter? Jesus was the one who called him Peter. He goes, you're no longer Simon. You are Peter. What does Peter mean? Rock. Rock. Little rock. And on this church, I will build my church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. He had already changed his name. Moms in the room. Have you ever gotten upset at a child? What's my name? <laughs> my name's Lou. <laughs> but when mom was upset, Lou Aaron, get over here. Why do they use our middle name when they get ticked off at us? I don't know, but they do. We want you to know I'm <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> exactly. We want to make sure this is clear. Jesus changed his name. But now he goes back and calls him Simon. Why call him Simon? Because he wasn't behaving like a rock. He wasn't living like Jesus had called him to be. He was living like he was before he met Jesus. He went back to going to do the same old stuff he'd done before. And so he calls him by Simon. Son of John. You called me Peter. You got to answer a question for me. Do you love me more than these? And he responds, yes, Lord, you know I love you. But he doesn't use the word agape, unconditional love. He uses a brotherly love. You know I love you like a brother. Feed my lambs. Jesus asked Simon again, Simon, son of John. He, he doesn't go, okay, Peter, no. Simon, son of John, do you love uh, agape me? Simon's like, yes, Lord, you know that I will let owe you. Jesus responds, take care of my sheep. A third time, Jesus asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love phileo me? He changes it. He changes it from agape to, okay, two times you said you phileo me. I want to ask you a question. Do you even love me like a brother? Do you follow me? And, and Peter responds, Simon responds, Lord, you know I follow you. You know I love you. And feed my lambs. If you follow on with the story, then he begins to talk about a lot of different things with Peter. But obviously, I think we all understand, Peter denies him three times. And he asks him the question three times, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And Jesus tells him, tells Peter, follow me. Do we love agape or follow the Lord ourselves? If Jesus were to ask you the question, do you love me? How do we love the Lord? Let me ask this question as we think through that. Do you love the Lord like a brother? Like a friend? 
or do you love the Lord unconditionally? And if the Lord asks you, do you love me? What does that mean? Now, let me ask this question. For those of you who are married in here, if, if your spouse asks you the question, do you love me? How would you want them to respond? Well, I like you like a friend. And you're okay. If your child asks you the question, do you love me? I put up with you. Your relationships, your Christian brothers and sisters. If, if someone came up to you and go, Chuck, do you love me? What does that really mean? I mean, Chuck could honestly just say, oh, you know, Lou, you know I love you. Pay off my mortgage. <laughs> Don't love you that much. No, actually, our mortgage is paid, so we're good. Say, so, yes, I'll do that. You see, what does it mean when we use the word love? What kind of a commitment is there? What has God called us to? The question that he gives to Peter is, will you follow me? Follow me. What does that mean? And that's what he asks us. Follow me. Are you a follower of Jesus Christ and his word? I don't, I've said this before multiple times. I don't even ask people anymore, do you want to be a Christian? Because the word Christian has so many different meanings in our culture today. What I typically ask people when I'm witnessing to them is, do you want to become a follower of Jesus Christ and his word? That's a completely different question. Well, if it's Christian like my parents, that's good because they don't kind of live like, they don't, you know, you know good, I like that type of Christianity, sure. But do you want to follow Jesus and his word? It's like, maybe. So if Jesus asked us today, do you love me? And will you follow me? What would our response be? Let's pray. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, I thank you for this day and I thank you for the blessings of it. Lord, I, I pray that I know for me, I've disappointed you many times in my lifetime. I've said one thing and did another. I've wanted to do the right thing, but I've not always done it. For that, Lord, you know I've asked for forgiveness. God, I declare before my brothers and sisters in Christ in here that I love you. And I do want to follow you. Help me in my weakness to do so more effectively. May your Holy Spirit lead us. But really, what it comes down to, Lord, is at the end of the day, what are we going to choose? Will we follow you? Will we love you? And your word says, and you told us, if you love me, keep or obey my commandments. May that be the passion of our heart. In Jesus' name, amen. I wanted to give a... a, a statement about how much we raised today. We raised uh, $510 for, uh, uh, for Widow's Life, so thank you very much for your generosity, and uh, we will make sure that they get this, and 